Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. All right. Another another Wednesday here with you. It's Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Rhino is down there in uh, Studio X making things work. You know, that's the thing, though. Rhino, I assume it's you. Oh, it's see, you can't, you don't, you don't, okay, but you know, you never know, you never know, you know, Will East could sneak in here one night, he'd try to ruin the show, though, he'd be like, I'm gonna get that bulldog, hey, dad, I'll show him, so, appreciate you having my back and keeping everything rolling here on Thunder and Lightning, thanks for all of you guys for joining me here, a lot to talk about, it is Super Bulldog, uh, Wednesday, yeah, well, Super Bulldog weekend's coming up, but, uh, Getting closer and closer to the spring homecoming, the uh, the big events here in Starkville, and all the uh, the rumors and 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 you know you put your ear to the ground says that it's going to be some record crowds. I, I don't know how. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. You know I'm hearing rumors of twenty thousand people at this baseball game, guys. I don't know how you're going to fit that into that stadium. I was at the uh, the you know at the old stadium the Clemson Super Regional game. And that's a game where, you know, the NCAA is in charge of attendance, and so you're keeping a much tighter count than they would when they had the old crowds. I think the 14991 is the old record. Um, you know, they were just letting people in or doing whatever. You know, when the NCAA is in charge, you got to really keep a, a tight tab. And I think like 13-7. And, I mean, it was so packed in there, it was miserable. And that's the old stadium, you know, when you didn't have – the structure to the lofts, the, the left field area, the left field lounge, I should say, that you do now. I, I don't know how they're saying 20,000. I don't know if they're talking about maybe that's for the concert and they're going to let fans on the field, but I can't see that being a good idea either because you have a game the next day. I have no idea where this 20,000 number is coming from. I'm very interested to see if it's the case because that would also mean a big crowd for the uh, the spring football game as well, I would think. But, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, if there's 20,000 people coming to baseball and, and you get 20,000 at football, then the attendance at football will be, you guessed it, 22,422. Now you got to get to keep the Mullen ways going there for your spring football attendance. Let's start with baseball, though, tonight. Mississippi State got a win last night. Uh, obviously, they got the series win uh, this past weekend, a much-needed series win, their first one since they beat Ole Miss last year uh, in, in mid mid-April, I believe, uh, up there in Oxford. And now the Rebels come to town. I mean, there's an alternate universe, right, where this is number one and number two going at it, and the last two national champions have done nothing but just play high-level baseball and look like they're real threats to win their second national title. But we don't live in that universe. We live in a one where Mississippi State is 3-9 and nine in the conference and Ole Miss is 2-10, and 10, and I would almost bet the family dog that the loser of this series doesn't go to Hoover. And the winner still has a ton of work to do if they want to make it there. Um, 
injuries have, have, have hurt this Ole Miss team on their pitching staff. You know, they don't expect Hunter Elliott back this week. Josh Mallett's, you know, out for the season, obviously. But more than that, I mean, Ole Miss just doesn't seem to be playing with a lot of confidence right now. I mean, you don't give up back-to-back-to-back home runs in the top of the ninth like they do last night, you know, if, you're, if, if, if things are going your way. And then you have State, on the other hand, who, like I said, took two out of three from Alabama last week, and that's great. But the one loss, you, they were run-ruled again. And, you know, they're still walking batters, and they're still playing poor defense, and, and they're just not a team you feel like you can trust. But at the same time, they are playing better. They've played better basically since the South Carolina series. You know, they had a they had a legit chance to get two from South Carolina, who's a really good team. And then they got two last weekend. So they're playing better. I feel like they're improving, whereas with Ole Miss, you feel like they're kind of stagnant right now. You know, and, and that's a team that, you know, in, in non conference play when you watched Ole Miss, maybe people who watched them a little closer than I did would tell you, no, there were some signs that they were in trouble. But all I saw was a team that was winning its non-conference games. They went into Vanderbilt, their first conference series of the year, ranked in the top five. And then, you know, it's just been downhill ever since for the uh, for the Rebels. And so now you come to Starkville, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, obviously a lot of pride on the line, but not a whole lot else. And that's just weird, you know, when you think about, you know, obviously last season was kind of the same way. But think about the last series that these two teams had in Starkville and how incredible the atmospheres were and how incredible the games were. You know, State on the Friday night got a good win. I mean, look at that pitching matchup of Christian McLeod uh, versus, oh, gosh, what was his name? It was it Gunnar Hoagland? And then, you know, Saturday Ole Miss comes back and Doug Nikhazy throws an absolute gem and shuts out Mississippi State, beats Will Bednar. 9 nothing was the score in that game. And then you have all the, the the incredible games Sunday where Tanner Allen has the RBI triple and State gets a seven to five win to get the series. Great games, huge crowds, you know. And I think you're gonna have huge crowds and great atmosphere, but I think a lot of that is just because it's Mississippi State, Ole Miss, not because it's great baseball about to be played, high stakes, things like that. So it makes me a little sad, and, and I'm not sitting there like you know I can't believe I'm gonna say that I wish Ole Miss was good. But I, I wish these teams were good. I wish this was a top five matchup. I wish that, you know, State had built on its national championship and Ole Miss wins its national. Well, you, you see what I'm saying, though. You see what I'm saying. That I wish these two, this was a, a series that had some meaning to it beyond whoever loses it's going to probably finish dead last uh, in, uh, in the SEC. Jason wants me to put video on Twitter if it's full and rocking. It's 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 going to be full, I believe. I mean, I, I everything you know, Mississippi State people seem to be very confident that the record crowd, which I believe is fifteen five eight six from the Mississippi State Ole Miss game in twenty fourteen, that had that crazy ending in extra innings where State came back to win. The Mississippi Mississippi State people, and I mean when I say that, I mean they're the administration. They, they, they are pretty confident that State's going to break that record this weekend. So that's, I'm looking forward to seeing how it happens. I'm looking forward to this concert, too. I did an interview a couple months ago with a guy named Richard Greenlee from Ratchet Entertainment. He is part of, he's the entertainment group that's brought Brett Eldridge, the country singer who's playing Saturday night at Diddy Noble, brought them to a campus. And he's talking about how they set this stage up, and it's incredible. Evidently, you know, the game ends, you know, the game's at three. Let's say it ends at, 5.45, right? 
The stage should be up and running by like six fifteen, six twenty, based on what he was telling me. Everything, I mean, it's like a it's like a pop up set. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, and I guess I won't get to see it happen because I'll go down and talk to Lamonis after the game. But I'm sure there'll be some video of it, and I'm I'm fascinated by that. And then boom, right into the concert. So, a lot going on Saturday. Obviously, you have the uh, the spring game. We're going to talk about that uh, in just a few minutes. But this baseball series for Mississippi State, you know. We're we're gonna go into in you know about twenty minutes from now I guess, or yeah twenty minutes from now we're gonna go into what the you know what state's path looks like. There's a legit path for Mississippi State to find themselves in a regional. Believe it or not, believe it after all the 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 the, the crap that's happened to this point, there's a path. Now it's a path. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a good biblical term here. It's besought, it's fraught with danger, but it does exist. And that path also leads to Crystal Mona still being the head baseball coach at Mississippi State in 2024. But can they do that? I don't know the answer to that. But I will say this, it absolutely starts with winning this series. And in reality, and I don't know that you can do it, but a sweep would go a long, long way. I don't think State can sweep Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss can sweep State. The way I put it on, on Sports Talk was, I don't think that either one of these teams is capable of winning all three, but both of these teams are capable of losing all three. They're certainly capable of giving it away. State defensively can make errors and walk batters. Ole Miss can continue to serve up the golf balls that uh, people are cranking over the fence and not getting clutch hitting when they need it. You know that's what this team, that's what this Ole Miss team is really missing is they're not they're not scoring runs the way they, they you would expect from an Ole Miss team. So we could have really fun games back and forth, but they could also be pretty ugly. I guess we're going to have a wedding or a hanging. Either way, we ought to have a good time. We'll see where it takes us. But the the, the crowd has got my th- and you know Friday night crowd should be great too. Obviously, you know you know weather's supposed to be okay. So I mean, you could see twelve, thirteen thousand there on Friday, and then. I'm having trouble wrapping my my brain around twenty thousand. I really am. I really am. That will be that will be that that like in my brain. I'm seeing like the concourse completely full where you can't even move to go get a concession. You just got to stand where you are for three hours. Everybody's just holding each other up by the end. They're passing water over you know the, the head to head there. I don't know. We'll see. We're gonna talk football when we come back. We're going to talk uh, the spring game, what I'm expecting to see, what I'm excited to see, and uh, and, and what what I want from you, the fan, after that game. I'm going to give you some, some, some thoughts on that. So we'll do that when we get back. This is Thunder and Lightning live here on Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back here on Thunder and Lightning, here on Super Talk 
Mississippi. Hey, if you missed it, by the way, and we replayed it on Sports Talk Mississippi, I had a great interview on the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed with Mississippi State head football coach Zach Arnett. And if you're a guy who, if you're like, you know, I like Hey Dad, but I also like it when uh, people put him in his place, well, I've got the interview for you. Because Zach Arnett uh, and I had, we, we had some back and forth. It was great. I like Zach. Zach, I think Zach likes me. I wouldn't say, I don't think Zach and I are going to go out and pound beers anytime soon, but yeah, I think, I think we get along. I thought it was a great interview. Please check it out over on the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. Wherever you get podcasts, that's available, as is this show and five Thunder and Lightning podcasts a week and a number of other interviews and all sorts of good stuff. So also, I'm just going to, this is what we call in the business. We call it a tease. I got an idea that I'm going to start putting together and piecing together about what we're going to do this football season. But we're going to change the game a little bit in football. You know, enough of being in the press box and just tweeting out stuff, and and we got to change things up. We got to we got to have something more exciting. So we're going to put something together, and I'm going to propose it to you, and we're going to get some feedback, and we're going to see if we can make that work. But that's just a tease today. All right, you get a tease of football on Saturday with the the spring game. It will be an actual game. They're going to draft up sides, and you know they'll 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 go at each other as much as you can. You know when it's it really is just a glorified practice, but it's going to at least have the feel of a real scrimmage, a real game. Um, and this will be for most of us our first look at the Kevin Barbe offense at Mississippi State, and how's that going to look, and and you know what are we going to see? And I'm sure for the most part it'll be kind of vanilla. At the same time, and I mentioned this on uh, on uh, the Thunder and Lightning podcast for tomorrow, so if you, you check that out, you'll hear more of me, me talking about this. But you, you guys remember, if you're a Mississippi State fan, you, you'll remember you know, Dan Mullen's first game as head coach. Uh, you know, After f- four, five years of Sylvester Croom running it up the middle and, and throwing the ball short of the chains and just being offensively inept, you know, no other way to put it. Uh, the first play of the of the Dan Mullen era was a double reverse pass that ultimately fell incomplete. But I think it, I've always thought it was done as a sign, like we, it, it, things are going to be different. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be, be better offensively. We promise. I wouldn't be surprised if if you know in this scrimmage and maybe you know when you get down to the first game, um, down there Labor Day weekend against Southeast Louisiana, that Mississippi State you know first play just just put it up deep. Let Tulu or Justin Robinson or whoever run underneath and, and get and get a get a catch if they can, just to say okay, okay it's going to be different. You know, go play action over the top because that's where you're going to see some. You know, you're going to see some play action over the top. You're going to see wide receivers involved in the running game. You're going to see, as Zach Arnett tells us in that interview, a lot of different formations. You're going to see a tight end. You know, now the guys playing tight end on uh, Saturday. Might not be playing much tight end when we get to the season, when the transfers start coming in, but they're there for now. So it's going to look different. You know, as a Mississippi State person, you, you finally get used to throwing the ball 50 times a game, and now you're going back to kind of where you were before. I mean, I thought about this. It's been five years. At least, it's been at least five years. I don't know how many games. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't remember. The last, uh, you know, the, the the Gator Bowl that Greg Knox coached and the Egg Bowl that Mullen coached before he left. But when's the last time Mississippi State took a snap under center? You know, Leach never, never did. And Moorhead famously talked about he would never do it, would never, even for a quarterback sneak, would never do it. So it's been at least five full football seasons since an MSU quarterback put his hands under center and took the snap. 
But that's going to happen on Saturday, and it'll happen during the season. Yeah. How many was the last time you saw a fullback? You might see one. Or at least you're going to see an H-back. There's going to be a lead blocker at some point for Mississippi State. Some of the guys I'm excited to see, Tulu Griffin is like the default answer. Everybody's excited to see Tulu in this new offense. He's going to be moved to his natural position. Obviously, you know, you see the special team stuff is exciting. He and Xavier Thomas both. But I'm interested to see Woody Marks, you know, starting to get the idea of can he be a feature back? Is he a guy that, you know, you can trust on third and one? Or who, or who does State put out there on third and one? Is it going to be Jeff Pittman, the bigger back, the, the JUCO transfer? Um, Jordan Mosley is a guy I'm interested in seeing. The Northwestern transfer who's had a great spring, uh, has really, you know, pushed himself into the conversation for one of those wide receiver spots on the outside along with Justin Robinson and you know Jaden Wally and those guys. Wally's another guy. Wally is, you know, he's sort of flown under the radar the last couple of years since his, he had the incredible freshman season. And then, you know, two years ago kind of overshadowed by, uh, by Makai Polk. And then last year, you know, kind of overshadowed by, by, by Ra-Ra Thomas and, and, you know, Tulu to a certain extent. And he's produced, though. He's been good. Maybe he can take another step and, and, and really show off that talent that we saw as, as a freshman. Defensively, you know, I want to see who's on the other side from DeCamry and Richardson. Is it going to be Asias Verge? Um, is it going to be, you know, Hunter Washington? Who's it going to be? Or is it going to be Kamari Rogers, the transfer from Miami, from, uh, from Columbia, Mississippi? I'm sorry, not from Columbia. He's from uh, Lexington, from Holmes County. Um, Who's gonna? Who's gonna? You know, the person who has to replace Emmanuel Forbes and a bunch of new faces in the secondary, and you're replacing three safeties back there. So who 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 are doing those things? And of course, just for me, what's the kicking game look like? Are you reliable from forty in? That, that is that's all I ever ask from the Mississippi State kicking game. Reliable from forty in, and then if once you get past forty, you know if it if it if it drops out a little bit, I can understand. But a thirty-eight yard field goal should be good. If you get it over the line, if it doesn't get blocked, a 38-yard field goal should be good. I want to see that from from the uh, the MSU kicking game. So we'll see. Here's what I don't want, and I don't want to see, and it's from you guys. That's what I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want my mentions Saturday. I don't want to start getting questions. I don't want to look at the ceasefire text line and say, "State, they looked awful offensively. They, you know, they terrible." Because at the end of the day, this is, you know, MSU's 12th, 13th practice running this offense. It's a process. It's going to take some time. So if, if Will Rogers' first, uh, for, you know, first action that you get to see, and he's like 10 of 17, 102 yards, a touchdown, maybe a pick. Don't, don't, don't. Go into that going, oh, God, Rodgers is just going to kill it. And I don't want to hear it. There are 13 practices in to a, to cha- to a complete overhaul. You know, terminology, different. Formations, different. You know, down and distance, play calling, different. You know, when we get to the season, and it's if it's bad, then you know me. I'll call it out. I'll let you know. But from a practice, no, we're not going to we're not going to do that. We're not going to have the those moments. So let a same on the other side too. If the defense looks rough, 
by trying to replace four starters in the secondary. State State might hit some big plays in the passing game. Don't take that as, well, gosh, what are they going to do when they play LSU and all that? Don't give me that. Just It's a practice. You know, just because one looks bad and the other looks good. Now, look, I'll say this. There, there are going to be outliers. I always go back to 2003 when Antonio Hargrove was averaging 200 yards receiving in the scrimmage. That should have been a red light that, like, okay, something's wrong in the secondary. Yeah, if Rodgers goes out there and they let him pass like 30 times and he's 27 of 30 for 380 yards and five touchdowns, okay, maybe there's some issues in the secondary. Maybe I'm a little worried about who these new guys are. Okay, I, I, you got me on that one. But for the most part, this is just a practice. And it's going to look like a game. You're going to have a little bit of a game feel. But it's practice. And it's only, you know, they've practiced, I think this is the 13th. I could be wrong. I mean, it might be, might be more than that. It might be less. They've practiced two, they practice two times a week, you know, for the entire month of March minus spring break. And then these, you know, first two weeks of April. So you want to do the math on that? That's fine. So you got to let that process happen. You got to let them, uh, work. Jason says they may pass out if I see a legitimate, believable play action pass. Anything other than letting eight DBs dictate six passes might be too much at this point. Yeah, I mean, teams that drop eight on Mississippi State are going to have issues because State will just run the ball on them this year. They'll just hand the ball off and take that five, six, seven yards every time. One good thing about this offensive change is your offensive line. You don't have to do a whole lot to turn a bunch of kids from Mississippi and Alabama into run blockers. <laughs> That's what they grew up doing. You don't think Cole Smith and Dollar Bill and Nick Jones and Cam Jones are, are, are prepared to run the football? Buddy, they were doing that in fifth grade all the way through senior year of high school. Most of them were recruited to run a running offense. That'll be an easy trans. That's the easiest transition for Mississippi State more than anything else. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more baseball. The path to the postseason. It exists. It's out there. You just got to keep your eye on it. We're going to talk about what Mississippi State has to do in the coming weeks if they want to play postseason baseball. We'll do that when we get back. This is Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. You called down the thunder, well now you got it. Welcome back to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I said earlier, if you ever miss anything on this show, it's always available in the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed, wherever you get podcasts from, or at supertalk.fm, which is a website you guys should have booked, bookmarked anyway. All the breaking news, sports, uh, opinion pieces, everything happening in our great state, you're going to find that at supertalk.fm. But subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast feed. Also, if you're so inclined, uh, give us a review, but as long only if it's five stars. We have a long-standing rule on Thunder and Lightning. 
And a lot of you have, have helped this rule this week, and I appreciate that. Five-star review, but you can put whatever you want in the comment section. You can call me a big loser. Don't care. Five-star review. That's the, the, the deal I'm willing to make with you. If you're a person who's going to say mean things about me, you at least give me a five-star review. Or about Robbie Falk, for that matter. So, there you go. Help us out there. Um, this time a year ago, if you, if you let's go back, Mississippi State baseball had a better SEC record than it did now. Does now? I had a better overall record, but their RPI that at that time was like down in the 60s, and so the conversation was kind of well, state, you know, they're winning games. They just need to keep winning games, and the RPI maybe it'll take care of itself. But they got to start winning games, and unfortunately, they, you know, you know how that turned out. This year, state's RPI is 26. When you look at their their schedule right now, they have a win over the number two RPI team over South Carolina. Uh, they have a win over the they have two wins over the number nineteen team, Alabama. They got a win over uh, the number thirty team, that's Southern Miss. They have two wins over the number thirty four team, uh, that's Arizona State. So they've got some some quality wins in there. Their remaining series. Uh, and, and you look at, you know, they, they they got two SEC sweeps on their record. Those were against the number one and number seven teams in the RPI, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Kentucky's the number one RPI team in the country, if you didn't know. And they play LSU this week, so re- almost on the road. So almost regardless of whatever they do in that series, they're probably going to still be number one. Um, State still has series left with LSU. They're fourth. Arkansas is sixth. Uh, let's scroll down here. Tennessee is 23rd. Uh, Ole Miss is, where did Ole Miss go? I just saw them. They're 54, so that would be quad two as it stands right now for Mississippi State. Though the series this weekend with the Rebels is eight, would be any wins or losses are quad two, but it's one through 50 is quad one. Uh, they still have a series with Auburn coming up. That's 45. Those are quad one opportunities, as is the one with Texas A&M. Um, they're 39th. And then the state still has some, uh, some non-conference games remaining, but all of those games are are not good for the RPI. But State's RPI right now, 26. If State had, what State? State's 3-9 and nine in the conference. If they were 6-6, six and six, we'd be talking about them possibly being a host. If they were 23-11, and 6-6, six and six, we'd be saying, okay, this team's going to host. And that's just, that's just the margins we're talking about here. So let's look at the schedule and then try to find this, this path to not only to Hoover, but possibly into an NCAA regional. Now, if you're thinking about state hosting, you don't need to. That's that's that seems that's incredibly that's that that's almost infinitesimal. If as I think I use that word correctly, the odds on that. But can they get into a regional? Absolutely, they can. Let's let's talk about how. It starts this weekend, right? At the very least, you have to win the series, and in reality, a sweep would be really beneficial. But let's just say you win the series, right? That puts you at five and ten. In conference play. Also, very, very important that you don't lose a non-conference game, and that's going to include the Governor's Cup. You got to win the rest of your not your midweek games. You go to Auburn, you got to win that series as well. Again, a sweep would be great, but on the road and with this team, that seems unlikely. And I'll be honest with you, winning the series kind of seems unlikely. But let's just play along with our hypothetical here. That puts you at seven and eleven. You're one game behind where you were a year ago. State left Oxford 8-10. and 10. They won on Friday night in Missouri, 
to go to nine and ten. And I remember thinking, okay, well they're they're going to win this series, and they'll be ten and ten, or ten and eleven, or eleven and ten, and they'll go from there. And of course, that's not what happened. They didn't win again. So you you would be a game behind at seven and eleven if you can get a sweep in these next two weeks, and then win the other series. You're eight and ten. You're right where you were. You go to Tennessee. Now, before the season, I was thinking, gosh, this is going to be tough. And it's still going to be tough. But Tennessee is not the unbeatable juggernaut they were a season ago. I don't think State can win that series, but State can definitely go up to Tennessee and get one. And that's all it's going to be about. Just don't get swept. Don't get swept. So let's say, let's play the the best-case scenario and say State gets a sweep. We'll say the real best case would be to sweep Ole Miss. Sweep Ole Miss, two and three from Auburn. Get one at Tennessee. Now you're eight. You're eight and thir- or eight and thirteen. No, you're nine and twelve. I'm sorry. You're nine and twelve. You get Arkansas coming to Starkville the next week. Again, this is a really good Arkansas team, but they are gettable. You can get one game. Now you don't like losing series at home, but that's just what you're going to have to live with here. So I would put State at ten and fourteen, with two series left. That this is the tricky one is the trip to Baton Rouge. LSU is a really complete team. You know you're not winning on Friday with Skeens on the mound for them. It's going to be really, really tough for State to get one. That being said, South Carolina split with them. Arkansas got one from them. Tennessee got one from them. They haven't swept anybody in conference play yet. So can you get one from LSU to put you at 11 and uh, 19? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's not correct. It'd be 11 and 16. Three games left. And then you go to Texas A&M, and even though it's on the road against a good team, you're going to have to find a way to win that series. That would put you at 13 and 17. And your RPI at this point, you would have wins overall. You've gotten a win in every series. You haven't been swept. You've won all your non-conference games. So I'm putting how many more wins on the on, on this team? Uh... They have three, eight more wins, so that'd be twenty-eight wins. And I'm adding um, eight more losses. So they twenty-eight and twenty-two, plus the non-conference wins, which I think off the top of my head is five more games. Thirty-three and twenty-two. Your RPI is probably in the mid-twenties still, high, low thirties at worst. You're in. You're in the NCAA tournament, even only even though you only have 13 SEC wins. You would be in. Now, let me be very clear about something. I have zero faith in this team to be able to do that. I just feel like that's a lot to ask, especially not getting swept somewhere in that Tennessee-Arkansas-LSU-Bermuda triangle. Going to be very, very difficult to do. But if state continues to improve, and they state state's losses come down to one stat and one stat, as bad as they are defensively, it's all about walks for Mississippi State. State is now. Let me let me double check my stat here. Saw this earlier on twenty four seven. State is fifteen and one in this season with five or less walks a game. Shout out Colonel Kank. Last night they had four walks. Now, those four walks came in the first seven batters of the game. I don't know how you do that, but regardless. But then they didn't walk anybody else. When State controls the walks, they keep people off the base paths, keep 
don't give out the free passes, they win. So it's just as simple as this pitching staff. Now, I say it's just as simple, right? you think if it was simple, they would have already snapped their, their fingers and turned that key and made it happen. But if they could stop walking, guys, if they can get control, if they can just convince their pitchers to say, hey, stop nibbling, start challenging hitters, we've got enough offense that we can, we can, we can go toe-to-toe, we're going to be okay, you can start winning games. So what's that record now? They're three and nine, and they got to get to thirteen and seventeen. So they got to go ten and eight the rest of the way. So I guess I was wrong with that. Then not eight wins was ten wins. Ten and eight the rest of the way, and you play in an NCAA tournament. Chris Lamonis is back. Is Scott Fox all back in that? I don't know. Still might be iffy. But honestly, at that point, you might just run it back. Just be like, you know what? Let's give him another shot. I don't know the answer to that question. That's a, but I would say that it would be much more difficult to make changes coming off of it, you know, what would be a rebound season. Think about where, you know, what what I talked about prior to the season starting. I said, you know, this team is probably going to end up being a two seed in somebody else's regional. That would be a good bounce back year. Next year should be a year that you have, I mean, Hunter Hines is back, Highfield and Jordan another year. Those guys are going to be studs. Um, you know, you'll obviously you'll hit the portal for some guys, and then, you know, you got Lowe, Nate Dome, Lofton, those are your, they're probably your, your weekend rotation guys. That's a team that can compete at the top of the SEC, I think. So we'll see. We'll see where it takes us. It's very interesting to me, though, that, uh, you know, a few weeks ago I thought that I thought it was all over and done. Last week, maybe it's false hope. Maybe I'm just taking too much into, you uh, I don't think Alabama's very good. But State got the wins. Ole Miss isn't very good. Can State get the wins? Auburn isn't very good. Can State get the wins? They do. They, they give themselves an opportunity. We'll see. We'll wrap things up when we get back. One more segment with you here on Thunder and Lightning. Back in just a minute here on Super Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. go with you here on a Wednesday, Thunder and Lightning Live. Don't forget, next Wednesday, I will not be here. Our friend Robbie Falk will take my my place. I believe he is efforting a great interview for us, so uh, be looking forward to that. But Robbie will be here from 6 to 7. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll just let the, uh, the other two guys have it. And then I'll be out the uh, the rest of the week on that, actually, taking a little, little vacation down to our friends at the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Looking forward to that. A little rest and relaxation for your old pal Brian, and then I'll come back Recharged and ready to roll for another uh, for the rest of the baseball season leading into the summer. Boy, did anything else happen this weekend? I I, I can't think of anything. Oh wait, yeah, play the song. Yeah, 
Cretan, 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 All right. I love I love that song so much. Uh, yeah, Mississippi State added a um, its third commitment to its 2024 uh, recruiting class. Linebacker Caleb Dozier out of Headland, Alabama, which uh, I, I did the research. I learned is uh, is near Decatur. It's down near and it's down in the uh, the southeast uh, portion of the great state of Alabama. Six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounder had offers from Houston, Central Florida, UAB, uh, Coastal Carolina. Anybody else? UCF. So some good, some you know, some decent offers there. It's a couple of Big Twelve schools, uh, but commits to Mississippi State. State's had such success through the years finding undervalued players in the state of Alabama that I almost just assume this kid will be good. Now, I mean, could he could be a kid who never pans out? You never hear anything about him, but they've just they've they've had luck with with those kind of kids through the years. You know, finding those kids that Alabama and Auburn just didn't didn't quite want. So. I think that state's recruiting is about a month away from really picking up. You know, when it's when it's after spring practice, when we start getting into like you know mid-May, and then getting into the camps, that's when state starts to fill up its class. And you'll see, you know, by the time we get to like mid-June, state will have fifteen guys in there. One guy who's not going to be in that class at this time right now is West Point running back uh, Kanan Daniels who has been a big-time recruit in this state for the past couple of years. He committed to Florida this week now. That's one of those things where you like you sort of scratch your head. Like he's, He goes to West Point. That's like a, that's one of MSU's you know, top schools in terms of they, they continually get talent from there. What's the deal with that? I would imagine that that's a recruitment that's probably not going to be over anytime soon. Um, you know, Florida... Kids like they, they go on these trips and they're like, oh man, this is awesome. These these you know out of ta- out of state and they're putting all this attention on me. And then the reality of I'm going to live ten hours away from home, and it's going to be tough for my family to come see me. Yeah, you know, it sets in sometimes. Now that being said, we could easily end up in December and Daniel signs with Florida and goes on and has a, a great career there. Could very easily happen. But I don't think Mississippi State that's their top running back target. They're not going to just walk away and say, okay, we give up. We'll go go on to the next guy. So we'll see. So state with three commitments now. Like I said, I think by the yeah, by the middle of next month, they'll be at like seven or eight. And then by the middle of June, we're talking about around 15. And, you know, by the time you get to the actual start of the season, you've got like 18, 19 guys in the class. And, you know, you, you spend the last month or so on the big battles. And this state next this year, you know, don't don't for one second think there's big battles in the state this year. A lot of talent in the state this year. You look at the twenty four seven composite rankings, you've got fourteen four star players in this state. I don't know that the state the, the the rankings this year they're as good as they were in twenty nineteen. You had two legit five stars in twenty nineteen in, in Nicobe Dean and Charles Cross. And their college careers kind of played that out. Both all Americans. Cross was a first rounder. I thought Nakobe Dean would have been a first rounder if not for some injury issues. Um, and then you had a, just a ton of other guys that year that have all had, you know, some, a lot of guys who had solid collegiate careers. This class, you know, you, again, the defensive line is really strong. You look at the, the top five guys in the state, you got three defensive linemen and one edge rusher. The top guy is Camarion Franklin, the big defensive lineman out of Lake Cormorant. We've been hearing about that kid for about three years now. And then you got a kid in Cameron Beavers who's kind of you know new on the scene, 
Big kid out of Bay Springs High School. They're a big powerhouse 1A program down there. Jeffrey Rush already committed to Ole Miss out of Pascagoula. And uh, Jamonta Waller out of Picayune. That's a school that you know, Mississippi State traditionally hasn't gotten a lot of players out of. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him. He's a, he's a big freak defensive end pass rusher. A lot of top talent in the state this year. Mississippi State's going to have their work cut out for them because not only is Ole Miss coming for them, but a lot of programs around the state, the, uh, the SEC are as well. We'll see who the Bulldogs end up with. All right. Thunder and Lightning podcast tomorrow. Sports Talk Mississippi tomorrow live at Divinity Equipment in Jackson. Looking forward to that. And, of course, the rest of the week as we get closer and closer to Super Bulldog weekend and Mississippi State Ole Miss baseball. Plenty to talk about over the next few days. Catch you guys later. We'll miss you next week. I'll be back after that. For Rhino down there in Studio X, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.